fantastic. Appreciate that. It's good to see you tonight. All right, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Continuing this series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's going to take us a long time uh, to get through this. Matthew 5, and we want to read verses 17 through 20. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Uh, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by no means will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The title of the lesson tonight is The Righteousness That Exceeds. The Righteousness That Exceeds. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we come together as your people and as we uh, seek to uh, sit under your word tonight. Help us, Lord, to truly sit under it to surrender to it, to its teachings and what you have to say to us. Open our eyes to see what your wonderful word has to say. Uh, speak to us the wonderful words of life. Help us, Father, I pray as your children, Lord, to grasp, Lord, what you have taught us here in the scriptures. Help us, Lord, to know and to understand, to obey and to follow. Give us the faith, Lord, to always believe your word. And no matter what it says to us, in Jesus' name, and amen. Now, after these verses that we have just read, until the end of the chapter, until you get to chapter 6, Jesus will mention six different times a phrase that sounds much like this, you have heard that it was said. Okay, that's what he's getting ready to talk about. I need to mention that before we deal with this because he's really laying the foundation for what he's going to talk about all the way until you get to chapter 6. And then he will go on more perfectly in those six times that he says that, he'll go on more perfectly to explain the spirit of the commandment of God. Okay, The Pharisees were, were taking God's law and diminishing it. Uh, they made it only external. They changed it. They appeared to be following the letter of the law, but they were not following after the spirit of the law. Okay? In those six corrections that Jesus makes, he's not teaching against the law. Okay? And I think that's one of the reasons he says what he does right here, think not that I came to destroy the law, because he's about ready to say a whole lot about the law and how it's supposed to be viewed. In those six corrections that Jesus will make that we'll look into in future messages, Jesus is not teaching against the law whatsoever, but He's teaching how the law 
was taught to them and how it was misapplied. Because he says, you have heard that it was said. Said from who? Said from God? The law or the prophets? Or is he saying you've heard that it was said and is he talking about the teachings of the Pharisees? That's what he's dealing with in those six things. Jesus, some people look at some of this in chapter 5 and say, well, Jesus is teaching against the law. No, he's not. He's not. He's making that clear right here at the beginning. Now, when Jesus also, when he says in verse 20, that their righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, understand this, that in, in the time of Jesus, that would have been a jaw-dropping, you know, heart-stopping, as we would say today, mic drop moment, like what did he just say? It would have been that kind of moment. The Pharisees were viewed as the most religious, the most rigid law keepers in the people's minds, super spiritual of the day. They were looked up to in all the culture. And here is Jesus. Here, here is Jesus saying, you have to have a righteousness that exceeds that is something better than what you all have been seeing in the Pharisees if you are to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Could you imagine? How that would have affected them? Or what that, he's got their attention. Now at first, this statement would have been probably to many that would have heard it very discouraging and disheartening because immediately they're thinking, I'm not a, I don't think I'm as good as a Pharisee. That would be possibly their first response. So I'm, I'm sure they already thought that they were not as good as the Pharisees appeared to be. And now Jesus says, you've got to exceed that. And so to some people, it would have been very disheartening. It can be disheartening to Christians now. They, they see the Pharisees maybe and go, wow, I, I'm not that good. We'll get to some of that but then lay a little bit of foundation here for some things that Jesus is going to teach. Verse 17, let's look at this verse. He starts off saying, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Do not think. So he, he's aware that there's this thought process going on in their minds that Jesus is obviously aware of, that, that there's some talking going on, that Jesus was abolishing the law or going against the law. Now, one of the reasons that people were likely thinking this way is because Jesus was not lining up under the way the Pharisees were keeping the law. And so they seen the law from a Pharisaical point of view. And so Jesus isn't walking in the Pharisaical point of view in the commandments. Now, now this, Matthew 5, that's near the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And so, what has Jesus possibly done up till now where there's chatter going on to where people are talking about Jesus and Him not going along with, with the law? Before this sermon on the mount, Jesus has already gotten a lot of attention. And here's some things that have happened so far in the ministry of Jesus. If you go back to Luke, you would find out so far that he, before this, He has cleansed a leper. He has healed a paralytic. But the one thing that he has done that has really irked the Pharisees is that he did not rebuke his disciples from gathering grain on the Sabbath to eat 
and that he also healed on the Sabbath. He did those two things. He did not rebuke his disciples. The next Sabbath, guess what? He healed somebody on the Sabbath. Now just before he healed the man on the Sabbath with the withered hand, Jesus said this, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy Listen, he's really coming at them and how they seen the law of God and how it was very much misapplied. I mean, remember, they got upset over a man carrying his bed home that he'd been laying in for many years after Jesus had healed him. Misapplication of the law of God. So Jesus has already been challenging their application of the law. He was also making it known in, in Luke, if you go back and look at that sometime, that he was the Son of Man and that he himself was the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning he was the lawgiver himself. Now, so with all those events setting the stage for now where we are, there is a rumor obviously going around saying Jesus does not respect the law, or well, Jesus has come to destroy the law. He sets the record straight. He did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. In the life of Jesus, he never once broke one of the commandments, neither outwardly nor inwardly. He's really, if you really look at the whole thing of chapter 5, you see that Jesus, as he teaches obedience to the law outwardly and inwardly, we get a glimpse of how perfect and pure our Savior is. He didn't just keep the law outwardly. He kept all of it inwardly. And he subjected himself to all of the law, to all the civil law, to all the dietary law, and he fulfilled all the ceremonial law. All that was written in the law and the prophets, he kept. All of it. The law and the prophets, and he speaks of is all the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Jesus was going to fulfill it. And even by saying, listen, even by clarifying and by saying, that he is not there to uh, destroy, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. He is also saying, I'm not here to fulfill the Pharisees' laws and their teachings of the law. That, they need to know that because the Pharisees had hundreds of extra laws and commands that they added to the Scriptures. Jesus loved the law. He sought to obey it. It is prophesied of Jesus saying, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Now we need to think right about Jesus. We need to think right about how he viewed the law and what he said about it. Now let's go on to the next verse, verse 18. He said this, For as much, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass away, from the law till all is fulfilled. First, heaven and earth is going to pass away. <laughs> uh, till heaven and earth pass away. Heaven and earth is going to, as you know it today, listen, I, I think even heaven itself, listen, even heaven itself as we know it is going to be gone. We don't know it, but as it is, <laughs> heaven as it is right now is going to be gone. God's going to do away with all of it. It's all going to be different. Earth is going to be burned up eventually. It's all going to be new. Heaven and earth will all be new. The heaven as it is right now will be different. Till heaven and earth pass away. 
Um, anyhow, it will all change and be gone as it is today. But later, Jesus says this as well. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Peter says this about the Word of God. He says this in 1 Peter 1, verse 23 through 25. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And God's Word will always be here. Why? Because it is the very expression of who He is. The world will change, and the world will wither as we see it. Men will change. Men will come and go. Religious men will rise and fall. But the Word of God will, all, will never change and will always endure. So listen to the Word of God, right? What's, what's he also saying by saying this? Realizing that they're thinking, he's leading them to think about the Pharisees. Hey, the Word of God is what's going to be here when these Pharisees are gone. The Word of the Lord endures forever. Everything else, as you know it, the heaven and earth is going to be gone, but my word will remain. Listen to the word of God, all of it. It's all important, and he's going to express that. When he says that, every jot and tittle, none of it. Every jot and tittle, jot refers to the smallest Hebrew letter. It's, it, it, from my understanding, it's like an accent mark or, 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 or an apostrophe uh, to the English. I mean, that's how small it is. Jesus says, to the down the very smallest degree, all of it will be fulfilled. All of it. Listen, all of, all of the passages, all of the prophets, everything they've said is going to happen, it's going to be fulfilled down to the smallest, minute expression in God's Word. I like that. I mean, I, I can pick up the Word of God, and I, I can read it, and I can say, well, you know what? That has not happened yet. And I can say... That's going to happen just as Jesus said it's going to happen. So all those passages that talks about a time on the earth where uh, all nature will be different. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. The child will take up the serpent. I mean, there'll be no more war. I mean, people are going to get rid of their weapons of war and it's going to be a time of just farming because won't need, there won't be any war. That hasn't happened yet. Do we, do we believe that? I believe that. Why? Because Jesus said not, heaven and earth will pass away before uh, his word is not fulfilled. It's going to happen. Now, in verse 19, Jesus says this, Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments. So, the smallest commandment down to a jot. So, so this does let us know, listen, Jesus is teaching obedience to all the commands. But he also lets us know that some are more important. I didn't say that. He did. Okay? But that doesn't give an excuse to disobey any that you believe are less important. Because <laughs> he also teaches that, right? Does that make sense? In other words, just because one commandment doesn't seem to be as, as big as this one, uh, then that means we can disobey this one as long as we do this one. Jesus isn't saying that at all because he's actually teaching the opposite. He's saying anybody who teaches 
or does not do down to the smallest will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever therefore breaks so does not obey one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So he's talking about people that are part of the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about Christians, right? You got, you got that? He's talking about Christians. Um, so Jesus is teaching complete obedience to every aspect of his word down to the smallest commandment to the largest commandment. He just wants obedience, right? Obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience to all of it. We can't look at the Word of God and say, well, that's not that big a deal. I don't have to do that one. No. Smallest to the largest. Um, realize this. Jesus is King of the kingdom of heaven. He is the one that has the right to say who in that kingdom is the least and the greatest. He has that right. As God's people, our obedience to God's Word and how we teach others about God's Word will determine the honor we receive in heaven. There's something here that I don't think that we think about too often. Jesus clearly declares that He will hold those in low esteem who hold His Word in low esteem. And folks, listen, some Christians don't hold the Word of God where it needs to be. In other words, I don't have to do this, I can do this. That's not holding all the scriptures up in high esteem. The Pharisees had a religious system that go to extremes on some things and then overlook the other things. So they were not holding high all the Word of God. In other words, that they weren't trying to obey all of it. It's like they were... They look really obedient in some ways, but then Jesus is saying, but you're breaking my commandments over here. He tells them later in Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, for you pay tithe of, of mint and, and, and of cumin. And he said, and you've, you've neglected, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Jesus there puts an order to things in a sense of level of importance. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. But they paid tithe down to the smallest of things. Listen, I don't think we pay tithe on the smallest of things. I, our, the way things work today, I mean, do you pay tithe off of your benefits you get at work? I mean... Your benefits, you know, if you get, if they pay for your insurance, I mean, if they pay $1,000 a month on your insurance, do you tithe $100 off of that? The Pharisees paid tithe down to the small, down to how many herbs they got, okay? I'm not even saying you need to pay tithe off that. I'm just saying I don't think we think like that. But they thought to such an extreme, they didn't get anything at all to the smallest amount that they weren't given. Jesus did say this to them. He said, these you ought to have done. <laughs> so you really, yeah, you need to be paying tithe off of everything, but then he says, without leaving the other undone. So, listen, I think tithing off of what the Lord gives you is one of the easiest things to do as, as a Christian. 
the weightier things of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now we're talking about some of the weightier things. Um, Jesus didn't say to not tithe. He just said, you should do that, but you need to not leave this other undone. And so, if we have that mindset to where we're really extreme on, not, I won't say extreme, or we're really adamant, we're going to keep this, but we're not keeping this, Jesus says, as a child of God, you are least in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want to be least in the kingdom of heaven. I don't even know what all that entails, but I don't want it. Um, the Pharisees cherry-picked God's commands that, that they thought they could do, I think, paying tithes, um, and left the other off, the weightier matters. We must be careful that we do not... They had it flipped. It's like they majored on the minors and minored on the majors. Um, we don't want to be guilty of that. And sometimes that can be so easy because you can maybe do the minors... And so we major on them, we exalt them. Oh, we're being good, we're, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing this obedience to, thing, this obedience to God thing, and, and boy, we got this, and yeah, we, this thing over here, what about this? It's easy to get focused like that. And I've seen many churches where they just they get that mindset, they got a few things in mind, you do this, boy, you're super Christian, but what about this? So the, the Pharisees looked holy but actually made allowances for unholiness through their traditions. Their traditions would actually contradict the Word of God. And see, you have to understand who Jesus is dealing with the Pharisaical way of thinking when He's in much of the Sermon on the Mount. But let's look at one passage here in Mark 7 where they did this. Mark 7 and what Jesus says to them. I don't want to be guilty of sticking to a tradition. Now, traditions don't have to be bad. I mean, in, in the sense of there's good traditions. You might have, well, we do this this time of year or that time of year. I mean, traditions don't have to be bad. But when traditions contradict the Word of God and we stick with the traditions over the Word of God, now we've got a problem. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 6, He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as is written, as people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me. Listen, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so listen, when a person says you shouldn't do this, but there's no scripture to back it up, that's the commandment of men. Or people say you need to do this, and there's no scripture to back it up. God says you need to do this, and there's no scripture to back it up. That's a commandment of men. And so that's what they were doing. They had these, all these extra commandments of men, and they were teaching them like they were the, were the Word of God. He says, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say... If a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is a gift of God. So what's he saying? It says, instead of helping your mom and dad, you, you sacri very sacrilegiously, you say, well, I can't help mom and dad because this goes to the Lord. I've, I've dedicated this to the Lord, so I can't honor my parents with it. 
He said, so in supposedly doing something for God, you are disobeying God. He says, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. He says, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down in many such things you do. And so you're getting the idea here. Jesus is addressing this mindset. Now, without a doubt, there, there will be many that will think they are being really righteous by doing certain things, and yet those things were only, only the traditions and commandments of men. In other words, they thought, boy, I am obeying God. I am doing right. Well, it may not have been a bad thing you were doing, but one, if it wasn't a commandment of God, it's not righteous. And if that, what you're doing, keeps you from doing what you're supposed to be doing, for God, it's unrighteous. Sadly, there are times where we could be disobeying God by keeping our traditions. And so we've got to be careful of these things. So let's make sure that we hold high all of God's Word, obey it, and teach others to obey it. If we do, if we hold high all the Word of God, least to the greatest, but hold it high, and say we should obey it all, we should teach it all, right, to others, and we're trying to live like that. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're, that's where we're going. We, we have the mindset. We have the mindset. We should obey all the Word of God, and, and we should teach others to obey all the Word of God, all of it. It's all important. Do you think like that? I'm not saying, are you perfect? But do you think like that? And that's your purpose. That's where you're headed. That's the direction you want to go. I think those that think like that, who try to live like that, these are the people that Jesus said, that he will call greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, verse 20, quickly, the righteousness that exceeds. We have, to, we have to address this. We can't leave off here. At first, when we read this, when he says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees or the scribes, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. At first, we may think only think about how, well, we need the righteousness of Christ imputed to us by faith, that is 100% true if you're going to get in the kingdom of heaven. You've got to have that. Um, Jesus is also teaching that his followers are more about, are more than just the external aspects of the law. I agree with, I agree with John McCarthy. I read a lot of different um, commentaries and what they said about this. I, I, I agreed with John MacArthur and his take on it. But he said this, he said, On the one hand, Jesus was calling his disciples to a deeper, more radical holiness than that of the Pharisees. Phariseeism had a tendency to soften the law's demands by focusing only on external obedience. In the verses that follow, Jesus unpacks the full moral significance of the law and shows that the righteousness the law calls for actually involves an internal conformity to the spirit of the law rather than mere external compliance to the letter. And I agree with that. I don't think Jesus is necessarily is teaching solely here on faith and, and the righteousness of Christ to go to heaven. But in all reality, when you look at what Jesus says, he taught the law was even harder to keep than what the Pharisees, how the Pharisees had represented it. 
Because it must be kept inwardly, not just outwardly. Right? Because do not murder, but hey, don't hate either. And so in all reality, he, he's really showing the law was much harder to keep than what the Pharisees even said. Now I'm going to have a little bit of a conclusion here to tie, tie some of this together. None of us, none of us can keep God's law enough so we can go to heaven. You know that, right? All of us here, I think, know that. And Jesus isn't teaching us here either that we've got to keep the law perfectly if we want to go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. Even if we seek to obey it in the spirit as we should, we will fail. 100% true. Don't try to do it to go to the kingdom of heaven. Our entrance into heaven is only through the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us by faith. That is 100% true. What is also true, not contradictory, but what is also true that when you are born again by God's Spirit, there is a change of heart that wants to obey God's commands just like Jesus. Jesus said, I delight to do your will, O God. God declares this to us. It was to Israel, but I think it's applicable to us. He said, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The people of God has the law of God, the moral law of God, written upon their hearts and minds. They look at the letter of the law, and they don't, just, they don't look at the, God's commandments and say, well, what can I get by with? What can I possibly do and not do? We don't look at it like that. Not a heart of obedience. The heart of obedience says, that's what God's Word says. What's the spirit of what's being taught? How far can I apply this? How far should I apply this for myself? Jerry Bridges said this, Scripture speaks of both a holiness we already possess in Christ before God and a holiness in which we are to grow more and more. The Bible speaks of both. The first is the result of the work of Christ for us. The second is the result of the Holy Spirit in us. The first is perfect and complete and is ours the moment we trust Christ. The second is progressive and incomplete as long as we are in this life. The righteousness of God's people is greater than that of the Pharisee. It exceeds it. One, because we have the imputed righteousness of Christ that gives us a righteous standing before God and our righteousness presently exceeds them not only in Christ because we have an inward desire for righteousness within because of the change of heart. And that is something the Pharisees did not have. They did not have righteousness within them. They only had it on the outside. So that righteousness also exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees because of the work of God's grace within. Not because of something we did, but because of what He did in us. Hope that gave some clarity. All right. Outward righteousness does not take you to heaven and it does not change your heart. Father, help us, I pray, uh, Lord, to see the scriptures correctly and, and to open them up every day and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I apply your word? Lord, help us to love your word with all of our heart and our mind, with all of our strength. Father, help us to love you 
as you've commanded this. And help us, Lord, to willingly follow after you with a full heart. Change our hearts, Lord, if they are resistant to you, if they are hard, soften them. And I pray, Lord, I pray that we would just be obedient and submissive and have hearts for you, people after your own heart, as expressed in your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen.